Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our continuation of Chapter 2, Section 5 of the text of A Course in Miracles. And today, we're going to be talking about the principles of Miracle Workers, which is actually Chapter 2, Section 5, Part A, Special Principles of Miracle Workers. And I think you'll see as we go through this, um, the concepts are going to be concepts that we've already talked about. Um, I do want to emphasize a couple of the real, uh, the points that are being brought up over and over again for us as accepting that role as a miracle worker. So before we do that, let's just go ahead and take a moment and do our opening preparation. So I will read it, and you all just go ahead and repeat after me. So wherever you are, just take a nice deep breath. Find a way to center yourself. And just repeat quietly to yourself after me, and I'll say it out loud. I dedicate this time to healing my mind and awakening to my true nature. I surrender to the source of love within me and let it guide my way. As I do this work, I'm willing to be mindful of my thoughts without judgment. I am willing to look at the way I view my life circumstances as helpful feedback. I'm willing to take responsibility for letting go of limiting thoughts and beliefs. I'm willing to let go of judgment about myself and others. I am willing to quiet my mind and ask my true self to take the lead. I am willing to let go of tension. I soften and imagine my true self leading me into peace. My aware self leads me as I now focus on healing my mind. And just go ahead and take a nice deep breath. And let's dig in. Uh, So we'll just do these one at a time. And we've got about seven of these, including the beautiful prayer that... um, 
I've heard repeated often, and it was like such a treat to find it in here. I'm like, oh, that's where it came from. I see the section it comes from, uh, which is a great, this is another one that I'm sure I meant to look on Facebook to see. There's probably an, uh, a graphic of this, uh, which is one that we should pin, maybe have the background of, of our phone for a little while. That's number 18 on here. So in this section in general, we've been talking about the function of a miracle worker and it's really talking about um, in, in section two four that built up to this. It was talking about what what is healing, what is true healing, and healing again. Remember, is a shift of your perception into from a fear based mindset into a love mindset. So we had a, a lot of conversation about the physical body healing, and then also that Course in Miracle when it talks about healing, it's really talking about healing your mind, and mind really being the level that we create from. And then we moved into the function of a miracle worker. And the big point in the function of the miracle worker was first we heal our own mind. And then by default, by healing our own mind, we automatically are the miracles for other people. The example, the miracle that allows them to heal their mind. And when we talk about healing our minds, we talk about seeing through the eyes of love instead of the eyes of fear. That really comes up over and over again. And now we're getting into the special principles of a miracle worker. Actually, the last thing I want to say is uh, before we did this, the last two paragraphs, nine and 10, it talked a lot about charity and about charity being something temporary that's of this world, that if you can't see your brother through the eyes of love, charity is at least a step in the right direction. And it's within this time where you can have compassion and you can have charity if you're not able to see them as completely sinless. So Course in Miracles over here kind of admitting that this is a process to get to that whole seeing each other as sinless. So if you can't get there, the least you can do is have that compassion and extend the charity to your other brother to say, oh, I know what it's like when I've made that same mistake, when I've had that same mistaken perception. So from there, we get now into the special principles of miracle workers. And let me, who would like to read the first one? Okay, I will. Go for it, Karen. The miracle abolishes the need for lower order concerns. Since it is an out-of-pattern time interval, the ordinary considerations of time and space do not apply. When you perform a miracle, I will arrange both time and space to adjust to it. Okay, so what is the main thing that's being communicated over here? And it really just is, you don't need to worry about, and this will come up a few different times, you don't need to worry about what the outcome is in time and space. So we've talked a little bit about how when you have a miracle, you can go back, your change of perception can go back, and you can take an event from many years ago, and now that you've had this miracle or this change of perception, the entire event changes, and then once the event changes, everything that's happened, all your belief systems based on that event also change. So this is what, what's being said here is a, a miracle is going to do what it needs to do, and it's going to impact backwards, forwards, current moments. And you don't have to worry about, well, now it's too late. That already happened. How are we going to fix it now? The miracle has the ability to surpass time and space and take care of that. So you don't need to worry about the time and space portion of the miracle as a miracle worker. 
Okay, the next one. Mary, you want to do that one? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Oh, okay. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I have... I think I have two... two I have my phone and my computer. Yeah, I so see you've got your audio on them both. Sorry. Yeah, I gotta figure that out. But anyway, sorry. Okay, That's a okay. clear distinction between what is created and what is made essential. And what is made is essential. All forms of feeling rest on this fundamental correction in level perspective. Okay, so the distinction here is on the words create and the words made. So Course in Miracles language over here. So creation is anything where you partner with God, i.e. partner with love to make. That The word for that is creation. So that's the one where you step back and you say, I'm only here to be useful. I'm only here to see through the eyes of love. Use me for the greatest good of all. And whatever actions come out of that come under the category of create because you have one intention and that is to join with the force of love not to see through fear, to see through love or join with God. Either way, God loves used interchangeably in A Course in Miracles. Make is anything that you are trying, your ego is trying to do and is trying to, quote, unquote, create. It's trying to make in this world. So anytime you're making, it's working without love. It's about what do I need to have happen in this situation? How can I make sure this goes my way? How can I make do whatever and it's not thinking with love it's not this higher level whatever is for the greatest good of all it's a short-term narrower let me use my personal body power my willpower my physical power in order to create i.e make so it's in the world of illusion because it's based on ego so that's the first thing is to understand the terminology here so create made with love make made without love i.e the illusion so over here, it says, for a miracle worker, it's really important to understand the distinction between creation and made, and knowing that all healing comes from the fundamental correction and level perception. So if my intention is, or my desire is to go and heal somebody, and my desire is to go and be the miracle for somebody, and I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go do blah, 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 because that'll be the miracle for somebody that's me working with the, within the ego realm and making. When you create, I say, wow, you know, I can see this person needs a miracle. You know, use me for the greatest good of all concerned. And maybe I'm the miracle. Maybe you're the miracle. Maybe a third person walks into the room and they're the miracle for both of us. But we hand it over. There's no creation or, again, I'm using the word create, which in Course in Miracles is, is the love. But there's none of us forcing something to happen, plotting something to happen. Anytime that we're plotting and not just being used for the greatest good of all, we're not in the flow of that creation, there's a chance that the ego is involved, even if our intentions are good. How many times have you done that, had really good intentions to help somebody, and maybe it wasn't the most helpful thing to be done in that moment. Maybe in hindsight you go, you know, it would have been better if I just hadn't gotten involved at all. But your intentions were so good. You were trying to make things better. 
Um, this happens a lot when you're working with other people. There's so many times that's like, oh, I just want to fix this for this person. This could be so easy. I know exactly what I do to fix it. But what we really want to start working at as being a miracle worker is being the space to allow that miracle to occur for somebody else that's on their path, which has nothing to do with what we're controlling, nothing to do with any of the ideas or thoughts we're coming up with. So questions or thoughts about either of those? I just remember this from somewhere else. I can't remember where that uh, that we've read and where it said, if we were going to be a miracle for somebody, we didn't have to even worry about it. It was going to happen because exactly. God would make it happen, right? Exactly. That's somewhere else. I remember reading that. Well, yeah, I think it, it, got, it came up earlier in this section too, but it's also in... Um, and the principles, like, you know, they're not under our, our, miracles are not under our control. And if we right. think that there's a miracle under our control, then we're, we're off. We're, we're not coming from the right level of creation. Right. All right, Miss Leslie. Number okay. 13. 13. Never confuse right and wrong mindedness. Responding to any form of error with anything except a desire to heal is an expression of this confusion. Okay, so 13 and 14 actually go hand in hand. So, um, Leslie, go ahead and just read 14, too, and then let's talk about both of them together. The miracle is always a denial of this error and an affirmation of the truth. Only right-mindedness can correct in a way that has any real effect. Pragmatically, what has no real effect has no real existence. Its effect, then, is emptiness. Being without substantial content, it lends itself to projection. Okay, so this to me is really the crux of the message in the special principles of a miracle worker. So uh, going back to 13, never confuse right and wrong mindedness, i.e. never get confused between what is real and what's the nightmare. Never get confused between truth and illusion. That's pretty strongly worded there. Never confuse right and wrong mindedness. Responding to any form of error, i.e. responding to the nightmare in any way, shape, or form, with anything except a desire to heal is an expression of this confusion. So somebody comes to you, this by the way happens to me, I feel like, all the time on coaching calls. Somebody comes to me and they are lost in the illusion and they are freaking out about this thing that happened today, an actual life event that just occurred, and they are in the terror of their nightmare. And every part of our societal way that we interact, every part of everything we've learned is to say, oh my God, that's horrible. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. What are you going to do? That's the worst thing I've ever heard about. As a miracle worker, we have to stay out of the illusion and not make the illusion real and stay in the reality of it's okay. Everything is going to be okay. This, too, is okay. So this, what this doesn't mean, and I feel like we talked about this last week, too, this doesn't mean you don't have compassion. This doesn't mean that when somebody's freaking out with bad news, you go, you know, you're just in the illusion. It's not really that big of a deal. It doesn't mean that you're, you're uh, cold-hearted about it. But if you join in and you go, he said, what? What are you going to do? Are you going to take that from him? You better not let anybody talk to you that way. You've just joined into the illusion. And now you've just validated that the illusion's real when it's not real. So 
what the what this section number 13 is saying is as a miracle worker it's our job to always remember that by validating anything in the wrong mindedness we're joining into the wrong mindedness we got to keep straight what's right and what's wrong so even though somebody's telling you this person just came and did this terrible horrible thing to me you know that everything that happens is either love or call for love you know that so again you can have compassion in the response and say i'm so sorry that happened to you must be so upset are you okay how are you feeling all of that stuff but when you start to move out of this you have to say you know see the person as completely healed and see the other party as completely healed you don't want to join into that illusion with them this you all is i think our work right here in general one for ourselves but also for each other our work is to not join into the illusion to say you know what, I, I, I see that this is happening. I see that our body's eyes are telling us that this is happening, but I know that this is not the truth of what's happening. I know that there's space for the miracle. And that's where you go, right? You go into what is the miracle here? Because, man, I'm really upset that, you know, he said that to me or she said that to me, and where is the miracle here? That's where you want to always be going with that. And then in number 14, we get a little bit more details about that. So, Number 13 is saying, you know, make sure you keep clear what's real, what's your um, illusion, knowing that everything's either love or a call to love. And always, so the last part that they say over here in 13 is when you respond, make sure your intention is always an intention to heal the situation and not an intention to attack, i.e. not an intention to add more fear into the situation. So when you are responding, you only have one intention. And the intention is the greatest healing of everybody. His intention is to bring light and love into this situation. So that's what we're saying in 13. Now we move on to 14. And in 14, it's saying the miracle is always a denial of the error and an affirmation of the truth. So in 13, it's saying make sure you distinguish between right and wrong mindedness. And in 14, it's saying what is the actual miracle? The actual miracle is seen through the eyes of love. It's denying the nightmare. And only by seeing the truth, only by seeing through the eyes of love, only right-mindedness can correct in any way that there's any real effect. Pragmatically, what is not real has no real effect and therefore doesn't really exist. In effect, then, it's just emptiness. So the attack, it's not real. It happened in the nightmare. It's all an illusion. It doesn't exist in the first place. It's not, it's, the only uh, purpose that it serves is an opportunity to heal. That's the only reason for that. So Joe attacked me and I'm all upset. Well, first of all, all of this is happening in delusion. All of this is happening in the nightmare. But the fact that I saw what Joe did as an attack and the fact that I'm upset tells me, wow, there's an opportunity for me to heal here. Something inside me needs to be healed. Now, if somebody came to me and said, you know, Amina, you know what's really annoying about you is how shy you are. You're just the shyest person I've ever met, and it just annoys the crap out of me. Even though that might be intended as an attack, I'm not going to see it as an attack because there's nothing to heal there. I don't have any belief about me being shy that needs healing, right? So if somebody comes and says, you know, Amina, you're really annoying. I've met a lot of people. You're the most annoying person. And I go, why would someone say that to me? Can you believe they said that to me? They called me annoying. I know 
there's something to be healed there. And the only reason that that quote-unquote attack occurred was for that point of healing to show itself to me so I have that opportunity to heal. So it's not about Joe. It's not about what Joe said. It's about the fact that I'm getting an opportunity to heal, and that's the only reason we're here. All the bad stuff that's happening to all of us, it's just the opportunity to heal. The person delivering the bad stuff, they're just the messenger. You know, we like to shoot the messenger, but they're literally just the messenger. So that's about 13 or 14. So how do you respond to somebody that comes to you and they're in the middle of their nightmare and um, having these problems and, you know, you can see that it's a nightmare, but how do you respond to them that would help them heal or at least not get into the middle of it? Yeah, and I I think, you know, one, you, you basically hold the love and light for the miracle for them. You don't have to necessarily be the miracle. And I think responding with compassion is always a good thing because usually when somebody's upset, they've lost their own ability for self-compassion, which is, by the way, a a topic we're going to be taking on as a group of talking a lot more about self-compassion. So a lot of times when people are reaching out to you, they are, in that moment, they are not in a place where they can have compassion for themselves. They might be in a place where they feel like they're a victim, but they're not in a place for true self-compassion for how they're feeling. So you can be that place of compassion for, you know, seems like you're really upset about this. You know, tell me what happened. I'm sorry this happened. Any of that without, what what you don't want to do is be like, Joe said what? That jerk. Yeah, Yeah, let's go get him, right? Right. You know, you you don't want to join into... You know, oh, oh, that's what he said about, you know what? I heard last week that Joe said such and such about somebody else. Mm-hmm. And P.S., by the way, I am sure I'm guilty of this still today. It's just too easy to jump in. She said, what yeah. to you? Do you know what? I heard last week she said blah, blah, blah to somebody else. Clearly, <laughs> she's just having problems. <laughs> it's just such an easier way to go and to just yeah. be like, well, do you really want to make that real? Do I really want to make the fact that Joe hates me and thinks I'm a piece of crap real? Because I'm I'm flowing a lot of let's make this real energy to this illusion. Does that answer your question, Karen? Yeah, that is because you know I I know that you don't jump in there and attack Joe and all that stuff and try to you know stir him up and make it worse. But I didn't know for sure what would be a good way to respond. So yeah, if you just if you just um. Act with compassion towards the person that's talking to you. Right. And I think what it's saying here, too, okay, so that's, that's you know, we're talking the practical, what do you do in that conversation? Yeah. But now as a miracle worker, what's really being said here is we stay in right-minded thinking. So we yeah. just say, you know, wow, this really terrible thing just happened to Amina. She's so upset. And then we want to go into poor Amina. Oh, I feel so bad for Amina. Mm-hmm. And what we need to do as miracle workers is say, no, it's okay. This is okay. She's okay. I see her as whole. I see her as complete. I see Joe as whole. I see Joe as complete. Amina can't hold that light and space right in this moment because she's got her healing going on. But I can. I'm not jumping on the bandwagon. 
up, woe is everybody, right? So that's not necessarily something you say to that person's face. Right. But and this is, you know, this is big. It's coming up. It has come up for me a lot with um, everything that's happening politically, right, on the news constant. The news is constantly condemning somebody. There's always somebody. If it doesn't matter, you know, what your viewpoint is, there's always somebody in either your group or the opposite group that's getting condemned daily on the news, right? And so the miracle worker says, you know, I'm just not going to join into this condemnation of either side, you know? If side X did something really shitty, then I'm just going to pray for a miracle. You know, God, let healing come to side X, to person X, side X. If side Y did something really crappy, then I'm just going to say, you know, please, God, let side Y get a miracle and let healing come to that. That's what this is really talking about is our role. It's less about what we say and more about our attitude. And our attitude should be with everything that's going on to drop the judgment. We're going to talk about this in the next few sections. Drop the judgment and ask for the miracle. Ask for the healing. The judgment's not helping us or anybody else. Yeah, that's good. I get it now. And it can be hard in that moment to, because you know, yeah, you the the loving response is not to say you're, you know, you're in the illusion. Sometimes the loving response is to say, "Hey, get a grip. You're in the illusion, and you've gone deep." You know, I talk mm-hmm. to my best friend Lisette on a regular basis. And there are times I'll call her about something and she'll be like, oh, um, just drop it, <laughs> you know? And she's yeah, right. I, I mean, it, it <laughs> yeah, it annoys me in the moment she says it, but I'm like, yeah, she's right. Like, this, is, you know, yeah. I wasted a phone call on this. It's not worth that, <laughs> you know? Sometimes you, yeah. you need that, but a lot of times like, you can have the compassionate response without joining into the story. Yeah. Okay. That's great. We got it. All right, Karen. Well, so any other questions about 13, 14 before we move to 15? Okay, Karen, go ahead and do 15. The level adjustment power of the miracle induces the right perception for healing. Until this has occurred, healing cannot be understood. Forgiveness is an empty gesture unless it entails correction. Without this, it is essential Essentially judgmental rather than healing. And then go ahead and read uh, 16 too, because these two go okay. hand in hand. Miracle minded forgiveness is only correction. It has no element of judgment at all. A statement, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, in no way evaluates what they do. It is an appeal to God to heal their mind. There is no reference to the outcome of the error. That does not matter. Okay, so again, your role as a miracle worker is what's being discussed here. So in 15, we talk about um, true forgiveness. So in 15, the distinction that's being made here is when you see something, when your body's eyes show you that somebody is behaving in a way that you are judging for whatever reason, that you have judgment for the way that they're behaving, the goal is not to put this uh, fake spiritual Band-Aid and be like, oh, it's okay, I forgive them. I'm a miracle worker. It's, it's not bothering me. I forgive them. 
That's not what we're trying to do here. What we're trying to do here is to say, wow, their behavior is really bothering me. I have a lot of judgment about what's coming up. So I know that this is a place where I need healing. I can see that based on my response to this. And help me. I need a change. I'm willing to see this differently. I need a change of perception. That is the appropriate response as miracle workers. Then we get the miracle. We get the change of perception. And then we quote unquote forgive the other person. But it's not forgiveness at that point. It's a, it's a correction. Because at that point, we've had the miracle and we realize there's absolutely nothing to forgive. The person doesn't actually need any forgiveness because we've seen things in a different way. Have you ever been in a situation where you've had a complete misunderstanding with someone and, uh, you know, they said something or whatever happened, you guys were supposed to meet somewhere or whatever, there was a misunderstanding and you're just pissed. I mean, you're angry and worked up and... You know, when I see that I'm going to tell them blah, 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 and how dare they, and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then you finally get back together, you know, you meet up with each other or something, and they show you the text message you sent them where you mistyped something, and they actually did exactly what you wrote and told them to do, and you were thinking something totally different. And all of a sudden, that anger that's there dissipates because you realize actually I'm the one that was wrong right mm-hmm. and there's yeah. you you don't feel the need that you know at that point and okay so let's just follow the scenario now imagine that this person just shows you the text message you're the one who typed in the wrong thing by accident you weren't thinking you told him to meet you on the left side and you meant the right side you got confused whatever right but your mistake 100% your mistake right? Not even a miscommunication, like you literally miscommunicated the wrong information. And then, you know, you, you, you had all this like anger and stuff and this person then shows you the text and now you're kind of like, oh, geez, right? You're feeling bad. And then the other person starts apologizing to you. They say, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so-. And then each time they apologize to you, you just feel worse and worse because it wasn't ever their fault. It was something that you did, to, you know, a, just a silly mistake on your part. Now you got this person apologizing to you and it feels like crap. You guys ever been in this situation? You're just like, please stop apologizing. <laughs> I'm the one who screwed up. Stop apologizing. Oh, yeah. It's making me feel worse. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So that is what's being discussed here when you talk about forgiveness. When you get to the point where you've had a change of perception, where you see that text message, you go, oh, crap. I'm the one who totally saw this incorrectly. Then there's nothing to forgive. The other person doesn't need to apologize. It'd be ridiculous. It'd actually make you feel worse. Right? Yes. That's true forgiveness in A Course in Miracles, which actually isn't isn't even called forgiveness. It's actually just called uh, correction, change in perception. I just saw Mary's um, message. Hold on just a sec. Hey, Anna, I'm back. I, okay, okay, you're, you're back. I think it's my phone line. Yeah, sorry. Okay, no worries. I just wanted to make sure you could hear us. 
So that is not even forgiveness, it's a correction, which is what 16 gets into. So 15 says, if you're doing this whole kind of spiritual band-aid, I forgive them, they're a jerk, but I forgive them, then you're not really forgiving them at all. In fact, you may be still in a form of judgment, and in fact, you may still be causing more harm than good in that in that place. So don't do, don't quote unquote forgive somebody until you've had the correction, and again, have the correction, all you need to say is, I'm willing to see this differently. I'm willing to see this differently. I'm willing to see this differently. Show me the correction. I know, I know my body's eyes are telling me that that person is horrible and guilty and out to get me. I know, but I'm willing to see this differently because I'm a miracle worker. And I know that what my body's eyes are showing me is in the nightmare, is in the illusion. So I'm just willing to see this differently. That's all we're doing. And that quote, unquote, that's all we're doing. So you all know because you've been doing it. That's a big thing. Just remembering to say I'm willing to see this differently in that moment of emotion is a huge, big deal. So that is what we're doing here in 15. And then 16 says miracle-minded forgiveness is only correction. It has no element of judgment. So we just talked about this. And then it's talking about Jesus on the cross and saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then this 16 goes on to say, don't worry about the outcomes of what they did. Don't worry about what happens next. Jesus clearly wasn't worrying about what was happening next because he knew that whatever happens, it's all in the illusion. It's not even real to begin with. So you're only worried about the truth, and the truth is only in a state of love. So you don't have to worry about the outcome of any of the miscreations, anything that's made, because they're not real in the first place. Okay, so that is 15 and 16. Let's see if there's anything else. Okay, so Mary, do you want to take uh, 17? Sure. The injunction, be of one mind, is the statement for revelation readiness. My request, do this in remembrance of me, is the appeal for cooperation from miracle workers. The two statements are not in the same order of reality. Only the latter involves an awareness of time, since to remember is to recall the past in the present. Time is under my direction, but timelessness belongs to God. In time, we exist for and with each other. In timelessness, we coexist with God. Okay, so the main message over here that Jesus is saying is be of one mind, i.e., Look at everything through the eyes of love. See, everybody is just an extension of you. Understand that when you condemn the other idiot who uh, cut you off in traffic, that you're really just condemning yourself. So there's no difference because there's only one of us here. So Jesus is saying, be of one mind. That's, that's what, As a wor- miracle worker, that's what we're asking for you. And then he says, my request, do this in remembrance of me, is an appeal for cooperation for miracle workers. Now. The reason that I think he has do this in remembrance of me is because obviously we're trying to think with one mind. You know, like, sure, yeah, I, I want to think with one mind. I, I want peace. I want love. I'm, I'm trying to do this, but it's really hard to do. And so now Jesus is saying, do this for me. Push yourself. I know that this doesn't come naturally to you. I know it's not easy. 
I know everything in your body is telling you, no, don't do this, go do something else. But push yourself and do this in remembrance of me. Do this for me first. Practice it first as a quote-unquote favor to me. And then once you start to see the impact of your practice, you'll just start naturally doing it. Once you see this is the better way to go, you'll just start doing it. But there's this uh, kind of push to say, I, I know this feels unnatural, so do it for me. All right, y'all? Just do it for me. Give it a, give it a try for my sake. Because I already know it's going to help you. I already know it's going to work. I already know this is what you need to do. But it's going to feel counterintuitive. Um, okay, so uh, that next whole section is talking about time and, and timelessness. So there is this element, this whole do this for me is this element of appealing to us within this world and kind of appealing to, um, hey, give this a try, right? But time and space don't even exist. So the minute you do it even one time, you go back and you change the history of how things go. So because time and space don't exist, timelessness belongs to God. And here we're doing this for each other. We, you know, I'm, I'm seeing you as, as one with me and you're seeing me. But that's all right here on this earthly plane because in reality we are one. So this whole practice of me trying to see you as one, kind of silly practice because the reality is we are one. But in this time and plane, I can't, my body's eyes don't see that. So I have to actually do this practice. But in reality, in the space of timelessness, in the space of reality, we're all coexisting with that. We're all one with God. Right this second. It's not something we're getting to. We're there in that moment. That This moment is available to us right now. It's just that our body's eyes, the way we're built, we don't see that. Okay, questions on 17. Well, I just wonder if there's some really, really importance to the fact that he says do this in remembrance of me because in traditional Christianity, that's big. That's what he says when they do the Last Supper. And, you know, that's where the, um, the uh, right before he dies, it's a big deal. So I, I just wonder if that, that's where communion comes from. And I just, like, I, I mean, that's big. It's so important. it's really important to do this in remembrance of me. You know, it's, right. it, you say that in church every Sunday, do this in remembrance of me before you take communion every single time. I mean, it's one of those things. It's like, that's big. I don't know how if, if Mary or if you or Karen or uh, traditional Christian backgrounds, it's big. That's a big statement. Do this in remembrance of me. It's really big. Yep. It is. You're right. It is a big deal. And it is about communion. So I think it is about, even in that situation, you're talking about the oneness and remembering to be joining the joining. One. Yeah. Yeah. Eat this bread and, and it's my body and, and, and drink this wine. It's my blood. You, you're taking Christ into you and you're doing this in remembrance of me. It's big. That's yeah. big. Yeah. I mean, I got goosebumps when, when I read that the first time I was like, Whoa, there, there is a lot, there is something really important here. I just can't imagine that it, that Jesus would have said it right that way again, if it wasn't important, Yeah, really important. Yeah. And it is. Mm-hmm. And that's really what this whole, I mean, anything you do in remembrance of him is oneness thinking, right? Because that's right. what he did. 
right. saw people as you. Right. You know, he saw bad people at their potential of being good, right? We all of that is considered oneness, would fall under this umbrella of oneness thinking. Mm-hmm. And that Mary, whole, you want to read? Go ahead. Sorry, can I, just one comment oh. on that communion thing that Go just ahead. sort of flashed in my head because I am, I was raised traditional Catholic, but the acceptance of the body and blood of Christ is in the presentation, it's that you're accepting Christ into you, but really maybe it was around being one with Christ instead of taking him into you. It's you're already one. Let's just do this in remembrance of me that you're one, not that you need to take me in. You know what I mean? It's almost like it's an interpretation that was made by the church. Yeah. That's not that's not what they teach you, but I think that's what that's what is meant by it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in so the I get Course to, in Miracles. I, uh-huh. Yeah, you get Sorry. to re, you get to close this out. Um, one sec. So in Course in Miracles, it you know they say Jesus basically exactly like us, except the one difference is he had the oneness mindset. So he yeah. didn't have that ego mindset. So. Everything you all are saying makes perfect sense in terms of remembering the truth, coming back into the oneness. And you're already there, but a reminder of it, you know? Do this communion to remember. Do these practices to remember the truth. To remember that we are the same. Right. Part of the one whole. But that's not the way people use it now in church. But I bet, you know, when the Bible was written, that's what it was meant for. Now it's it's, a, it's kind of a different thing. But I'm sure that's what was meant in the beginning. All right, Miss Mary, you get to close us out on this one, number 18. And I'm reading the prayer also. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yay. Um, You can do much on behalf of your own healing and that of others if, in a situation calling for help, you think of it this way. I am here only to be truly helpful. I am here to represent him who sent me. I do not have to worry about what to say or what to do because he who sent me will direct me. I am content to be wherever he wishes, knowing he goes there with me. I will be healed as I let him teach me to heal. I love that. This was definitely getting posted on Facebook, and this was another one that we should. Yeah. So, so simple, you know. And so, and Karen, you know, you asked earlier, what should we do in those situations? And you know, number one, invite God, invite Holy Spirit, invite divine light into that situation. Because when we do that, we could be the miracle. You know, I love this line. I don't have to worry about what to say or what to do because he who sent me will direct me. And when we take that pause and invite God in to the situation, whatever is a conversation, you've got God, call it Holy Spirit, light, what you know, whatever the words are, the terms are that work for you. When we let that in, 
then we have the ability to be used in that moment as the miracle for that person. And we'll just start randomly talking about, oh, you know, Mike planted these new flowers in the garden. It'll seem so off topic. And bam, you're the miracle for that person. You know, you weren't even trying. So, yes, this this prayer, I don't think there really needs to be much that needs to be said for this, except that this is what we keep coming back to is it's not about us. We don't have to do the miracle. We don't have to worry about what's going to happen with the miracle. We don't have to worry about fixing anything. All we have to do is see ourselves and everybody in our lives as perfectly whole and complete as an extension of ourselves. And all we could see when we see bad behavior, we see it as a call for love. Go, oh, wow, this person's really hurt right now. So a call for love and pray for the healing of that person. Ask that they be healed, ask that they be lifted, ask that they be put back into their right-mindedness. And just walk the earth with this prayer. I'm here only to be truly helpful. And I love that, only to be truly helpful. Not just only to be helpful, only to be truly helpful. I am here to represent him who sent me. Do not have to worry about what to say or what to do, because he who sent me will direct me. I'm content to be wherever he wishes, knowing he goes there with me. I will be healed as I let him teach me to heal. And remember, as we are the miracle for the other person, we also get the healing from that. I like this little section. Mm -hmm. Me too. This was good. Yeah, I like this one a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to have to copy the bear down. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure that there's a cute little something on Facebook we could post this. All right, let me go ahead and end the recording here. So our next call will be Wednesday. Is it July or will we be in August? Wednesday, August 1st. Awesome. Okay, so it'll be Wednesday, August 1st. 7 p.m. Eastern, and we will be doing Chapter 2, Section 6, correct? That was the end of 5. Yeah, Section 6, Fear and Conflict, uh, next week. So, and we'll see. Maybe we'll get all the way through that one uh, next week. And then the week after, we're going to take a break, and then we'll pick up again on August, what would that be, 17th, maybe? We'll skip August 8th, and then we'll pick back up on August 15th. So next Wednesday, 7 p.m., August 1st, and I'm going to go ahead and end the recording, and then whoever wants to stay on, we can talk about whatever you all want to talk about. So hold on one sec. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.